and ain't no wannabes here With some not so nice advice for your writing career To be clear, no punches will be pulled But the punch may be spiked How they like before they get on the mic To my left we got the mighty Mer Lafferty And if I piss her off, believe me, she'll come after me And her co-host Matt Evan Wallace On the right, yes she may be half as hype But she can take him in a fight So settle in folks, buckle in and boot up Time to meddle in a way to make your writer shut up It's hard work, but the perk is that it's fun and exciting Facebook will still be there when you're done writing Ditch Diggers! Ditch Diggers! So we're coming to you from the uh, uh, Ditch Diggers recording studio in our manor. We're still properly separated from each other. Very proud of that. So um, how are you, Matt? I'm doing good, Murray. Just uh, popped out of the writer's room mm-hmm. in my fancy job that involves being in a writer's room to come here. And I just like saying the phrase writer's room. That's right. You're not talking long. about a literal room. You're talking about you had a group of writers and you sat around. Yes. Did you powwow? We did not powwow. And I think it's, I think that's actually a problematic term. If I I'm think not so. Mistaken, that's why so. I, I said good that you didn't because I realized it was. Apologies. Yeah, it's all good. You know, we learn things as we go. But yeah, no, it was a virtual writer's room, as all writer's rooms are right now. True. In whatever, when whatever industry you're working in. But the concept of being part of a writer's room is a big deal to me because it's like I worked a long time to get to a place where, like, I was hired to be in a writer's room. That's true. You got so it's the, very exciting. The, yeah, that is exciting. How is your day job going? It's going very well. I'm very fortunate, uh, you know, to be working in video games, both at an industry level, because it's one of the few industries and my company in particular, at least that hasn't been affected by the pandemic. So I'm extremely privileged and extremely fortunate for that. And then I'm also very lucky to be with the company that I am because it is a very good, the company is good. And also the team and the game that I'm working on, they're all just, it's a very good environment. It's a very varied environment and supportive environment and you know video games like every other industry can be a very toxic place so i'm very happy to, to be working with the people that i'm working doing what i can do so no complaints in that arena i'm i'm very you know i'm going on my second year doing video games and yeah yeah i started uh i started april of um 2019 2019 yeah so coming up on uh, coming up on two years in the business, as they say, and I've already had a game shipped in which I'm credited on, which is really cool. Wasteland Three came out last year. Mm-hmm. I was I was credited as additional writer. Ooh, so additional writer. I am a, I am additional, Mer, and nobody Why? can take that away from me. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Yes, but yeah, and then uh, you know I can't. You're never allowed to talk about anything you're doing when you write for video games which is one of the reasons you don't know a lot of like i mean people do know video game writers but they're not as prominent as i feel like they should be it's because you can never talk about what you're doing no until years after you did it when nobody cares anymore but i can't say that you can talk about it when it launches and you don't care anymore because you're doing something else just like books yeah you're into something. And also, you know, it's such a collaborative process. There is no, like, one voice for video game writing because there's, you know, there's so many of us and we're all working in conjunction with each other. But I can say that I'm I, the game that I'm working on now, it's the first game that I've got to 
I got to write uh, on from the from the start. Like I was there at the inception point, and I've I've been like it was me and the creative director, and now we've expanded, and you know there's hundreds of people on the team. But it's the first game I really felt like I've got to have serious narrative influence on, which is a really really cool and exciting thing. You that know, that's cool. Wow. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, like I said, very fortunate. Uh, it's hard work, but it's really it's really good and rewarding work, and I dig it a lot. And uh, you know. It's, it's an exciting time to be a video game writer. You know, it's the writing of video games, I think, is getting more recognized now than it ever has been in the past. Yes. I am. And, uh, uh, sorry, go on. No, go ahead. I just started playing Hades um, in a, you know, I'm really into this game kind of way. Like, I, I bought it in the fall because I heard it was winning awards for its narrative structure. And then mm-hmm. I started playing, and it's like, it's a roguelike which frustrates me. So I put it down and then I learned more about it. And so now I'm, I was telling Fiona today that I really, really did not want to look up spoilers, although I was dying to, because there's so much that's happening with that game because it's, it's unlike, if you're not familiar with games, it's roguelikes are, uh, the, you start the game and you don't get any save points or, uh, usually you don't get extra lives unless it's like a special thing. And so when you die, it's over. And then you have to start at the beginning. But this has actually worked that into the narrative where um, as you try harder, you can get slightly better at things, but also you unlock plot points around because you're Hades' son trying to escape Hades. So every time someone kills you, you end up back in Hades. And they're like, oh, you tried again, huh? So um, it's it's really really good I, and so yeah narratives things is better in games now than ever totally is and it's uh, yeah so like you said it's an exciting time and seeing a lot of i feel like in the last year in particular we saw like a big wave of crossover from like tv writers to video game writing too which is which was an interesting thing to kind of witness as being new to the industry and also having worked so hard for so long to like get into tv with very limited success you know like it's a very cool thing because there's all these cool creators, you know, influencing games and writing cool stuff. But then on an extremely petty level, I get really upset. So it's like, you guys are in TV. No, like I, I, I broke into this thing over here because you didn't want to let me in over here. And now you guys are going to fucking come over here. Like, what, what is that about? Well, Which is I, an ex- I, I'm I just saying. Well, go on. I'm just I'm acknowledging that's an extremely petty thing that is a personal thing for me. But. It's well, not a bad thing. Is everybody thing. seems to want the problems other people have, which is why you see, like, I, I, when a movie writer who who had actually had a major movie out, he told me he was his first YA book was coming out, and he was so excited. I'm thinking, why? But actually, he was the one who was excited because he did not realize that his book didn't have a, his book was like 99.99% chance going to be published after he signed the contract, which is the exact opposite of film, which is doesn't it's like it could be canceled at any stage. So he kept waiting for his book to be canceled because that's what happens in movies. That's really funny, man. Yeah. Yeah. What's the old expression? It's like publishing is all no, no, no until it's yes. And, ministry is all yes 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 until it's no yeah. or something to that effect pretty much which is very very true yeah i don't know man i wouldn't movies are tough right now yeah that was another big exodus we've seen in the last few years was 
of film writers, you know, leaving for TV because the environment and the respect and the everything was better. It was a better place to be as a writer than really? in the studio studio system for film writing. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it's a big reason why, especially with big movies, you know, you tend to see like the same five people write and direct everything now because it's yeah. just it's a tough nut to crack, and it's just so incredibly micromanaged and so just not it, it can be a not great place to be for writer not that there aren't plenty of really good writers working in movies making big strides like i'm not saying that but that was a that was a thing that was being noted and especially with you know more scripted television series than there's ever been in the history of the world going on now or you know back when this was happening just provided more opportunity uh for writers so i just i find the ecosystem crossover of all of that fascinating you know film to tv to tv to video games and the <laughs> comics and comics and uh, writing or comics and book writing kind of do a lot of crossover too. Yeah. Yeah. That totally is a thing. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of friends that I have and people I know that in the last few years, you know, you look at like, I mean like Saladin Ahmed comes to mind immediately because, you know, he was such a, made such an impact with the, the epic fantasy that he did. And then everybody was waiting for the follow up, and that's, you know, whatever it's, it's his journey and nobody can tell him to write another book. But then suddenly there's one comic and now like the dude is just writing everything, you know, yeah. Miles Morales stuff and just and doing great work in comics. And suddenly like there are people that only know him as a comic book writer, whereas, you know, like I knew him originally as an epic fantasy writer. Right. And that's still kind of in my, in my head. I still kind of think of him as a novelist who does comics. So it's just it's really wild. So many more comics. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, yeah, he primarily is, right? He's a comic book writer, and that's that's fantastic, and he's doing such good work and working on all these big titles, and it, it could be better, but it's just perceptually, it's interesting how that works, you know, the way you see people compared to the, the reality of the situation. But yeah, so him, like Alyssa Wong, has been doing a lot of really mm -hmm. good stuff. We, sh we share an agent. I love Alyssa. Yeah, it's, that's a, that's been another big crossover thing, I feel like, that has stepped up. Um, I mean, you know, not that, there, not that there wasn't always a lot of interplay there. You know, you'd see, like, Peter David and guys like that who would go back and forth. But yeah, so it's just interesting. And it's a good thing. You know, it's good. To, it's, and we talk about it on the show a lot. You know, there are so many ways to be a writer, you know, there, when you, when you really step back and look at it and it's easy to get locked in the idea of like, you know, I, I, my perception of myself is that I need to be a novelist or I'm trying to be a novelist. or that's what I've always wanted to be. So if I'm not a novelist, then I'm not a writer. When the reality is, it's so, I'm not going to say easy, but other mediums are way more accessible than I think people tend to think they are when they lock themselves in the idea of, I just do this one thing, this is all I know how to do, and this is all, this is what I am as a writer. But it's a big, big world out there. I've done more writing jobs than I could honestly probably even count if I tried. So there are a lot, there are a lot of ways to do this here thing. Yeah. I want to go to the chat and say hey to people. Okay, Kimby says, this is all the exciting new everything and spaceships phased out, says, uh, Kevin wants to know what kind of computer I got. I actually got a homegrown computer because Jim wanted uh, to put together a toy. So uh, I bought all the bits and he put it together for me. Um, and also, hi, Matt. Hi, Murr, says Kevin. Kevin, uh, happy birthday, because I know I forgot to text you on your birthday. So, uh... I just wanted to tell you happy birthday. Hope it was good, all things considered, in pandemic times. Um, happy birthday, Kevin. What'd you say? You oh, happy birthday. happy birthday. I'm, the first part was 
cut out. Sorry. Uh, Ansela says, hey, Mer, hey, Matt. Frigg's daughter says, uh, that is cool. I forgot what that was referring to. Uh, Devo Spice is in the chat as the Fump. Uh, he did our theme song, Old Friend of Ours, and you'll be hearing it if you hear this later on the podcast, but we didn't play it on uh, the Twitch stream, partly because I didn't have my ducks in a row to do it, and partly because I don't know if they're going to try to shut us down for DMCA, even though Devo Spice wrote the song for us. But uh, anyway... Such a generous spouse to let Jim have his fun. Aren't I? I? I am so nice to let Jim do that for me. Yes. Uh, there was a point where he was leaning over it and building it. And I said, I really want to thank you for this. And he turned around. And he's like, I'm having fun. So he was very happy. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Oh, the cool was about Matt being there from the beginning of a computer game project. Thank you, Frick's daughter, for. Uh, yes. Very proud of you doing that. Oh. Thank so, you very much. Uh, how do you, what, what do you want to talk about, dude? A terrible segue, but I have really, <laughs> I've, I've had a frustrating afternoon and I'm just surprised we're actually both on the screen and everybody can hear both of us. So, you know. Hey, man, just, like, and, and here's the thing about that is like, you made all this happen. I contributed virtually nothing to this. So everybody thank Murr for setting this up and making this happen and figuring this out because I never could have done this on my own. So yeah, you did. You did a lot. Uh, I don't know. Well, there was one selfish thing I was going to do, just very quickly, if you don't mind. Uh, and this is part just share an exciting thing with friends, and then also shameless self promotion. I'm, I'm, you know, I can admit that, but I don't know. Some of you might have seen. I posted on Twitter yesterday. I got the final copies of my new book that's coming on the 26th. My first middle grade novel, Bump. I can't wait. Uh, Finally got the finished fancy hardcover, and it's going to take you a minute to see how this is reading on screen because of the delay. There it is, but oh, we got some shine on it. Some shine, but look, it looks shine. amazing. I don't think I yeah. read when I saw the picture. Maybe I was just focused on her so much, but it looks a lot redder than I thought. Uh, it's more kind of pinkish, but okay. you know, either way. Yeah, Kathy Hardo did the did the art, and it's, yeah, like the back cover. It's like they did these uh, cool things that look like tickets oh, for like neat. a wrestling show. It's just really neat. So they did a great job pack- packaging this thing. I'm just super excited about it, so I thought I'd give you all a look at that. And Oh, thank you. Glossy but nice. That's what we want in our books. We want them to be glossy but nice. And, uh, yeah, so it's a big deal for me. Like I said, it's the first book I've written for kids, and uh, it's coming out in a couple weeks, and want to go pick that up i would i would certainly appreciate it i'd give you one of these if i could but these aren't even mine that's what's funny about that so inside look at this thing because of the pandemic uh printing books for some publishers they've had to like come up with whole new systems to do it because the existing systems haven't worked great so like i got my arc super late and the books that were delivered to me yesterday are not my copies of my book that i wrote they're copies that i have to sign for a book club in tennessee and like mail back so I haven't even gotten my copies yet. But so I finally book club. No, no, I mean, that's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. It's a really cool thing. We've gotten a few a few book clubs. That's amazing. And yeah, and that's like a big and you know these are all things I'm learning because I I like I said I've never done middle grade fiction mm-hmm. before, but 
you know, it's such a different environment and a different market than doing like adult fantasy. And it's very based on schools and educators and parents and libraries. Mm -hmm. So, and book clubs are a really big part of that. Like we had the junior library guild, which is like, I guess a really big deal. And I I didn't know this before that they, they ordered a couple of thousand copies, which I guess was a really big order for them. That was exciting. And then we had, uh, this book club in Tennessee that's run by a bookstore there specifically for younger readers. They wanted to make it their selection for, uh, I think February. So yeah, I'm signing 80 copies of that. It's really cool. It's a really cool thing. I've never done it before. So it's very neat. I'm not in any way complaining. It's just, it was interesting to me when I opened them and I realized I don't get to keep these. I have to send these back, but I'm happy to do it in front of the camera and go, look what I got. (laughs) No, I didn't get to do that. So the stream was, was well timed. Uh, Kevin says Junior Library Guild is a huge deal, and Kevin is absolutely right. I just, again, being so new to the territory, I didn't realize what a big deal it was until it was explained to me. That was actually funny because my agent hit me up to tell me about that, and they were they were like freaking about it, and I had to like it. I didn't want to like admit that I didn't realize why they were so excited. <laughs> so I tried to go, so I googled and I looked it up, and like I understood what it was, but it still didn't give me any context for it. So he, so Dongwen had to explain to me like, no, this is a really big deal, and this is actually a really big order for them. So it's a good thing. And then, uh, oh, thank you for thank you for tweeting my website and stuff there, Mark. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I got a seal and everything. I got like a gold seal from the Junior nice. Library Club. My book's officially uh, an official gold sealed member to that. So that's really neat. So, so yeah, I feel like it's gonna get. I, I feel like it has its best shot. At doing well and that's all i ever asked from a publisher from book scenario i just want to have the best shot we can give a book and then whatever happens happens and i won't be very discontent about it but uh yes. and that doesn't always happen in publishing so i, I am, i'm excited that i have a book that is going to get its best shots yes so I thank you for letting me no go ahead <laughs> no i was just saying thank you for letting me co-op the uh, the stream of the show to Sure. Shamelessly um, I just want to acknowledge people because I like it when I go to other people's streams and they acknowledge me. Um, we got uh, Snarky Moon saying that's really exciting. Um, and we got uh, Kevin wants to know if you're going on a virtual tour. And Tish oh, yeah. arrived late, but she's here. Good to see you, Tish. <coughs> Glad you could make it. And uh, Ke- if you don't know in the chat, uh, Kevin is Ursula Vernon slash T. Kingfisher's spouse. So uh, he knows of what he speaks when it comes to all this uh, school stuff. So Ursula had to do school visits in the pre-COVID times. And Firewriter has redeemed some eggs so that I will uh, hydrate. So I did. <laughs> That's good. Uh, to answer Kevin's question... We don't have virtual tours set up yet. I am doing a virtual launch event on the 26th with uh, Once Upon a Time Bookstore. That's a local bookstore here in Southern California. I'm doing that with Greg Van Eekout, and that's going to be really fun. The cool thing that I am doing, because again, as Kevin points out, like in pre-COVID times, they would send you to actually tour schools physically. One cool thing that I am doing is I'm shooting uh, like a 15-minute video going to be played to uh, middle schoolers in a few school districts here in California. Um, and when I say a few, you know, it's like 9,000 kids. So that's pretty cool. That's cool. But I'm getting to, yeah, so I'm getting to craft like this sort of 15 minute video that talks about the book. It talks about my history with wrestling because the book is very much about the wrestling industry. But the one thing I thought was really cool is 
but excited the school districts was uh, my experience changing careers as an adult. That was something they really wanted to emphasize and communicate to the kids. It's like not locked into whatever you do coming out of school, and it is possible to transition into new things when you're an adult. I just thought that was that's a really cool thing that they want to impart that to their students and kind of yeah. prepare them for it. Yeah, and I didn't expect that. So I'm working on this whole segment where I talk about how I was a wrestler and then I transitioned to being a writer and then, you know, the many career changes I've gone through with that. But I just thought that was really neat that they have that they have uh, their they have a mind towards that and like communicating that to kids, even as young as, you know, a middle school age. So that's really neat. So that that is the thing I'm doing in lieu of a virtual tour. I don't know if we're going to set up actual school visits, virtual school visits later on, but so far those are the things on the slate is the launch event and then this video that I'm going to be doing is going to be shown to a lot of kids in a lot of school districts uh, here. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I've never done any of these things before, so yeah. it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they come out and how they play, you know. Yeah, are you Got to get myself are you doing any like calls with any of the book clubs you're who, who's getting your books? So far, no, I wrote, um, they asked me to write a letter. The, the book club in Tennessee asked me to write a letter to their club that could be distributed with it, you know, saying hi book club and just talking about the book and stuff. So I thought that was neat, but, uh, no, so far, no, no, like live events have been set up yet, but I still feel like, I'm doing a lot of guest blog posts and things like that. And I'm, I'm happy with, uh, especially under the circumstances that we're in right now, I feel like uh, Catherine, Teagan, T- Catherine Teagan Books, which is the, the publisher, part of HarperCollins Kids, um, I'm really happy with the job they've been doing to get word about the book out there and market it so far and like going and getting those book clubs and things like that. So, And I can be very critical of, of marketing and publishing. So when I tell you that I'm happy with the job a publisher is doing marketing my book, that actually means something. It does. It really does. Yeah. Um, so can I, 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 I want to ask you a question. I don't know if we've ever talked about this and if we have, I apologize because I forgot, but uh, going back to your uh, computer game writing and the fact that you have, you have two writing jobs and a lot of people wonder like, how can I have my retail job or my doctor job and build a writing career when actually if the main job is a creative one, it's almost harder because you've got to, you got to turn you know, different faucets on and off or whatever metaphor you want to use. And I was wondering how you structure your days knowing that you have a novel to write and a game to write. Yeah, there are, there are pluses and minuses for sure, man. It's like, I, I want to acknowledge again, how fortunate and lucky and privileged I am to kind of have the schedule in the life that I have. Cause I get to, even before the pandemic, I got to work from home 99% of the time. And that helps a lot, you know, like I'm, even though I work full time with this company, I'm still a contractor and you know, that has its minuses as well. But one of the pluses of it is they don't dictate my schedule. You know, I don't have to have a set eight hour day, starts at you know it starts at eight or nine and ends at five or whatever so it's really more about workflow and getting my thing getting my tasks done than it is monitoring all of my time which i think every company should be on that i think we need to get past the idea of i'm paying you for your time because like my like nikki my wife deals with that with her company and it's just so backwards and counterproductive so that so not having a commute and being able to set my own schedule helps a lot 
Um, and a lot of people don't, you know, if you work retail or whatever, like you, if you have to drive into an office or even if you're working at home and you have a set number of hours and they like monitor your time, that's a totally different situation. It makes things way harder. So I'm lucky to have that. That being said, like you pointed out, dude, it's, it is extremely taxing <laughs> that all my jobs are creative writing jobs like that. That has been a big struggle over the past uh, year in particular, because you just you're using the same reserves for everything, you know, because the video game thing, it's all creative writing. It's the same, you know, it's not the same structure, but it's the exact same engine. And it does it does really sap you. So and I, don't, I don't know that I am even really qualified to like give people advice on how to do that. I, I find I get into different grooves, you know, it's like I have several weeks where I find like, okay, if I get up a little earlier and I put in two or three hours on the book and then I can devote the rest of the day to my video game tasks, like that works out really well. And then there are other just panic times where it's like my weeks are completely full with everything I'm doing on the video game. And it's like, okay, the weekend is going to be the only time that I have to work on uh, the book. And I just do that, which isn't ideal because, you know, you need time off, but Mm kind of just i don't know for me i just kind of go with whatever's working at the time and i'm not good at locking myself into that because eventually something breaks that rhythm yeah i'm not good at getting i'm not good at getting back into that rhythm like i need to be able to pivot to something else but the time stuff is honestly less a challenge than just the burnout you feel trying to come trying to come up with you know fun clever ideas every day of the week and that can be a lot more difficult to manage but it is definitely a challenge um again privileged to be doing all the things that i'm doing they're all things i want to do like i've had to do jobs i've had to do writing jobs that were not creative before and i much prefer this to that like working in marketing like i did you're working in ico marketing as a writer and remember that yeah and like i will take this over that any fucking day of the week you know i'm getting my goal in life was always to write creatively for a living and i get to do that now you know i have to I have to work a little bit harder and longer than I necessarily would want to to do that, but I'm still getting to do the thing that I want to do and working on exciting stuff. You know, I'm writing the books I want to write. I like the video games that I'm writing, but I can't really complain about all of that. You just kind of got to take the good with the bad, you know? Like we talked about earlier, a big part of that too was sort of investing myself in the idea that like, if I'm not a full-time novelist, then I'm not a full-time writer, then I've failed in my goals, you know? Right. Like, that's just flat out not true. Like, I write for a living. I'm doing the thing I always wanted to do. Like, I've gotten there. Like, I can reach higher levels of, like, you know, renown or monetary success or whatever. But, like, I'm making a, a pretty good living, writing creatively, and that was always my goal, and I've achieved that. So yeah. I try to – I try to – a lot – and I say that to say, like, I need to give myself a break more because that is another thing that taxes you. You're constantly feeling like you're chasing something, yeah. you know? So getting past that idea was a big part of having the reserves to do what I do every day of the week, you know, and not, not putting more strain on my emotional mental state than I needed to. Right. I don't, I don't know if any of that's helpful to anyone, but it's the, it's, it's the truth. Yeah. I wish I had like a universal hack for this stuff, you know, yeah, cause that's what people too. want. That's what people want. They want, they want you to tell them exactly how to, how to do something and give them a guide to it. It's just, there's no way to do that. But you know, how really is no you way do, to do that? Uh, if you do have a solid piece of advice to give somebody, they're going to tell you why it wouldn't work for them. And can you come right. up with something else? <laughs> I yeah. love that. It's like, okay, here's how you do X, Y, and Z. Now I, that won't work for me. <laughs> All right. You, you I guess- asked. 
and yes we're yeah we're both blessed and cursed that we're not working in a one-on-one medium here so we don't have to yeah. do that yeah but yeah i don't know man i just but i i sympathize with people because when i was first starting out that was all i wanted and i got so frustrated when like i remember when i first got to the valley and i was it was really working hard to try to break in as a tv writer i went with a friend of mine to a seminar that three very high level successful tv writers were giving and you know there were like two hours they talked and not one of them could give you any kind of helpful practical solid tip for how to break into tv writing you know like that just never came out of this thing then that was all anybody was waiting for and you could tell and you could tell they kind of knew that they didn't like want to acknowledge it directly, but you could tell they're just because people are asking them these questions and they didn't really have any concrete answers. But you know, you, when you find out as you go along, it's like, that wasn't their fault. Like there are no concrete answers. The, the, yeah. the thing that worked, the thing that worked for them will literally not work for anybody else. You know, there are some general lessons you can take within there, but Pat, there's no path. There's no direct path that you can access. Like it's just, it's such a, it's such an individualistic thing, and that's true in every industry, whether it's novels or TV or video games or whatever. Yeah. And you know, telling pe- telling people like it comes down to who you know, which is true a lot of the time. That also doesn't help people because they're like, I don't fucking know anybody. Yeah. How do I go know people? How do I go know people? I order like a six pack of people to know from the <laughs> No. That's not yeah. how you do it. Um, it's funny. I remember somebody was telling me they went to go see a seminar uh, about business in writing by Nicholas Sparks. And one thing he wanted to cover was managing money as a writer. And he opened with, here's how you deal with your first million. And <laughs> pretty much everybody in the audience was just like, yeah, he's completely lost touch with a beginning writer's mindset. Thanks. It's a pad load for that, Nick. We really appreciate it. Um, yeah. Uh, Firewriter saying, I think hearing that even if it doesn't work for me, that someone has done it keeps my mind open to succeeding. And that is a very good point. And I, I have learned to draw inspiration from people's stories, even if I can't adapt what they did to my own situation. You know, right. it, it does legitimately help to know that people who started out, and that is a thing that, like, lately in particular, I do find myself imparting to people is like, I can't tell you how to do it, but I can tell you very honestly, I've been exactly where you've been and I found a way through it. And a lot of other people have, and you can too, as long as you just don't quit. You know, that's really the only thing. Yeah. It's don't quit and keep your, keep yourself open to opportunities because a lot of times you, you want opportunities and you want them and you want them and you want them. And then when one shows itself, you're like, I don't know if I'm qualified. I don't know if I have time. I don't know. I I can't, but it's like, Jim always tells me whenever something comes along that I'm not sure if I'm qualified for, he gives me the Ghostbusters quote, which is if someone asks you if you're a God, you say yes. Yes, absolutely. um, You know, while if someone asks me, pulling my name out of whatever hat they had the misfortune to do so, if I could like, do medical writing no i could not fake that but uh i think one time somebody asked me if i could do a story on a tv show i hadn't watched before and i'm like sure yeah i'll do that and then i just mainlined the tv show and wrote the story i don't know if they liked it or not but uh they paid me so that was good but it's 
keeping yourself open to opportunity and taking it when it arrives is an excellent way to break in. But you got to watch for it and be open when it happens. And that's one thing that I think a lot of people psych themselves out of doing. Yeah, as you were saying that, I was thinking of the uh, the office quote, you know, the, when she's like, uh, there's always a reason not to do something. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's true. You can you can talk. And writers are amazing at talking themselves out of things. It's like an inherent skill that we have. Well, it's because we're so creative. <laughs> we're just using it, it in the very wrongest way. Yeah, we can come up with myriad reasons why we're not good enough or not able to do what's being asked of us. You know, it's it's usually around any kind of self-confidence thing. If it's a situation that requires self-confidence, we're very good at talking ourselves out of it. So that's a thing you got to get past. And then remember, you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take. (laughs) Quoted by Wayne Gretzky, by Michael Scott. Quoted by Michael Scott. You got you got to love the office. There's so much there's so much there. but yeah, so you got to remain open to opportunity. And then the other thing is you got to remain open to people. And that's another thing I try to communicate to, pe- to folks when we talk about this, like with newer writers, because I think about my career, everything has come down to like friends helped me out, you mm-hmm. know, like friends that I made 15 years before they were able to help me out with no idea that they would ever be able to help me out, you know, and we've talked about that a little on the show before. It's a weird thing. Cause it's like, you know, I'm not telling people go out and like invest in people you think 20 years from now are going to be super famous. Like that's not how this works and that shouldn't be how you approach things. But I think it's more about, you know, be open to connecting with people in the community that you're in or in the industry that you're in, you know, that you find that you genuinely like and genuinely have a connection with, you know, be open to be open to those kind of relationships. And also they help you through, even if it's not, you know, giving you a hookup or providing you with an opportunity, you need that support system, man, because that's going to be crucial when, when things aren't going your way. You know, it's like we, Murray, you and I have leaned on each other. I don't know how many times in the last decade and change when, yeah. you know, one of us was having a down, was having a down period or a rut or whatever, you know, and you draw strength from each other. Like, you know, one is down, the other one's up. It, it kind of reinforces, you know, reminds you that, you will be up again someday as well. So all that stuff really, really helps. And developing those relationships is just good for you. And then, you know, it can be really helpful. And I, you know, I try very hard to pay that back too. Like knowing that I've gotten so many opportunities and have made so many strides because of friends of mine helping me out, you know, when they didn't have to either, you know, just out of the kind, like I try to pay that back and send the ladder down and do that as much as I can do that too. And that's, that's the best system I think we've developed in any of these industries is writers helping writers, mm-hmm. you know, you saw that a lot with, uh, in screenwriting and TV writing, going back to that again with like the WGA signal boost. And, you know, when the, uh, writers went on strike uh, from the agencies over the packaging deals and stuff, you saw yeah. writer, writers really working to elevate new writers and help them out and, and develop a system where they could submit scripts and just, Oh, yeah, I, I become the older I get, the bigger a proponent I become of, of writers helping writers. You know, obviously, like a union is ideal for that. But if you're in an industry where they don't have a union for writers or whatever yeah. you're doing, you can still develop a system of writers helping writers. Yeah. Um, I remember when I was uh, interviewing people on I Should Be Writing, I interviewed James Maxey, who's a epic fantasy writer from uh, local to me. And I end that those interviews, 
the same every time, asking people to give one piece of advice to new writers. And he surprised me when he just said, be nice to everybody. And, you know, right. that kind of thing is not being a doormat. It's not bend over backwards and let people walk all over you. It's, right. you know, you don't, for one thing, don't be a dick. I mean, that's just good advice overall. But also, like Matt said, you don't know who can help you. You don't know who, I mean, even if it's somebody who's not a writer, but you meet at a convention, they might end up being an intern or an, or an assistant to an editor and can help you out. It's, um, you know, on one hand, I don't think it's good to look at somebody and see what potential they could do for your career. That's, that's mercenary and pretty ugly. But on the other hand, being nice to people is a good thing, which can pay off greatly down the road. And if it doesn't, well, you might've made yourself a friend, which is good in itself. Yeah, it's, you know, being nice is free. I try to, you know, because I, I have not always been the most open person to people in the past. You know, I, I've been an asshole in the past, and I'll admit that. You know, I, I lacked a lot of empathy, and that's something that I try to be way more aware of as I get older. And empathy, I think, is one of the most important things just in general for life and society at this point. Yeah. But, you know, it doesn't cost anything to, to be nice to somebody or to just give everybody the benefit of the doubt. Like like you said, you can't be a doormat, but you also can't assume that everybody is out to fuck you over, or, you know, or, or, or is in, a, in an adversarial position to you. And also, I just think it's good to encourage people because that it matters more than I think a lot of people realize, you know, that goes a lot farther with people just starting out than just, you know, giving them a little bit of time or just a little nod, you know, it doesn't have to be a mentorship thing, but I've just had a lot of people who, you know, cause I never consider myself in a position that what I think is going to matter to anybody. Cause you don't think of yourself as successful yeah. or a veteran or anything. Like you don't think of yourself as someone that anybody looks up to. It's just not too often. It's not in the nature specifically of creative types because we just, we have so many friggin' neuroses or whatever. Um, but the truth is you are, you generally, especially when you're online, you know, you're, you're on social platforms, you're out there and you've published some books or you put work out there. You, you do have people that look up to you and it can mean a lot to somebody just to give them, you know, a little bit of a nod, a little bit of encouragement. And they may go on to do great things simply because like they had a really bad day and they might've considered quitting or they might've considered like, you know, switching to something else or whatever. And you were like, no, nah, man, you can do this. And they kept going because of you. Like, it's nice to just do that for that reason as well. Because it can mean a lot more to somebody than you really think. Yeah. So those are my thoughts on that. All right. We started. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Mark. Oh, Snarky Moon says kindness is almost never the wrong choice. Yeah. Truth. It's kindness good. is almost never the wrong choice. Yeah, I want to be remembered as somebody kind, not somebody who looked out for number one and stepped on a lot I mean, of people on the way to success and all that. I want to be remembered for my sweet dance moves, first and foremost, but secondary to that, kindness would be a good thing to remember for as well. I don't know if I've ever seen your sweet dance moves, not even at, you, not even at your wedding. I don't like to bust them out a lot because I don't like to make other people feel bad. How would you not you know? bust it out at your wedding, though, dude? Uh, okay, well, <laughs> I mean, this is going to bring everybody down, but on a serious note, we chose not to have dancing at our wedding because uh, Nikki's father had passed away oh. about a year before we got married. So 
she wasn't going to get to dance with him. So I didn't want her to see other people dancing or have to go through that. I didn't want to like do a mother son dance in front of her at our, at our wedding. So, well, now that's I feel why like a dick. I'm sorry. You're not, I forgot about that part. No, it's totally fine. But that was why we didn't have dancing at our wedding. And it was, it was a good choice. But yeah. Well, it we was still had a lot of fun. It was, no, we had a great, a a great time. Yeah, it was, I'm so sad. We found out that um, we had our wedding reception at this restaurant, Pamplemousse, which is mm-hmm. this amazing, this amazing classical French restaurant that we had gone to for years. And I, I thought they did an amazing job for a wedding. People got to order from an actual, you know, full menu. It was fantastic. I found out that they, they have closed permanently. And I'm really sad oh, about that. That's sad. It struggled, it struggled because of COVID. And then they were just about to reopen. And we found out that a drunk driver literally drove a car through the front of the restaurant as they were preparing to open it. Fuck. And that just, that killed them. And I'm just so sad because that place had been there for like 40 or 50 years. And all the staff were lifers, and it was just really sad. So we don't get to go back to Pamplemousse, and I'm sad. But I'm, I'm at least glad that we had our wedding there and got to have that experience. So we'll always have that memory. Yes, good to see you, Kevin. Thanks for dropping by. Always a pleasure, Kevin. Happy birthday again. Yes, happy birthday. Um, this party at the castle next time you guys can go. Matt can show off his dance moves then. Not a lot of dancing at the castle either. A lot of nerds. A lot of nerds at the castle. So there are a lot of nerds at the castle. There not should a be lot more of dancing, dancing nerds. Uh, well, I'm kind of following in uh, on Kevin's footsteps, Mariah. We started a little late here, and I am yeah. going to have to uh, wrap this up for my part because I have I have video game things that I have to go and attend to. All right. But, we uh, ha- can, can we take a? If there are any questions in chat, yeah, can we yeah. take one or two. If you can take a few questions. Live questions for us. We're right here. We're happy to receive them. If not, then um, hopefully we'll be doing this again. I hope now that I've worked out how to do it, yay, um, I think we can do it again if if you're up for it, Matt. I, I've been wanting to do this for a long time, so I'm excited. No, yeah, I... Uh belongs on camera so i feel like we should we should definitely do this more ah that's right Firewriter says i'd still like to see a ditch diggers dive into your editor being an advocate for your book yes uh matt put out some twitter wisdom over uh the holidays about the role of an editor in publishing and uh a couple of people said you should unpack this on ditch diggers is that something you want to do now or do you want to devote more time to in the future no, no, I wanted to make that a whole episode, but we, we actually recorded an episode that I need to do show notes for that where we talked about agenting things. But my point is, like, I was going to say, let's do that for the next Ditch Diggers. We ended up doing something instead. Next time we record Ditch Diggers regular, let's do it then, because I do think that should be a longer discussion. Okay. Um, when you're struggling with pursuing a career choice, what helps you decide whether to double down or let it go? God. <laughs> Thanks for lobbing a simple one. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a, it's it's uh, that is a very important question, and I think it's a crossroads that ninety nine point nine percent of writers will come to at some point in their career. And again, it's something that is so situation and person specific that it's very hard to answer in a general way. Magic 8-Ball, Snarky Moon says Magic 8-Ball. I've used yeah. the Magic 8-Ball to decide many things in my life. I mean, I think it works as well as anything else nine out of ten times. 
I think uh, you have to take you have to take things into account, um, K Kimmy. Like, I mean, I don't know exactly what you mean by career choice if you're talking like shiny new, just out of college kind of thing or what. But um, like, I got handed a couple of choices to make today, and I was rather flummoxed and not sure what to do. And I'm gonna have to take into account monetary reward versus my monetary need the time it's going to take to do it and uh it it does boil down to how excited i am about it you know i'm trying to and, and you know that's not the most important thing if you need to like feed your family and there's this job over here that will help you feed your family but if you have a little bit more um if you have a little bit more leeway then maybe you can think how excited am i about this i'm trying to uh i'm taking a course in goal setting right now and um it's a very one-on-one intensive coaching thing and yesterday one thing we talked about was uh should versus wants and everything you think you should do is usually something you're not excited about and if you think about things you want to do then that's usually when the excitement comes and um so I, I've been trying to think about when thinking about my goals that are not specifically finish this book that I'm contracted for. I think about things that I'm excited to do. So I don't know if that helps. Which rabbit to chase and freelance? I see. Um, yeah, I'd choose time and money first and then experience how much experience you have to, to tackle the project and how excited you are. Yeah, dovetailing off that, what what I was gonna say is, um, you can't uh, can't wait to start living your life uh, because you're chasing uh, these kind of goals, you know. So, what I mean by that is like you can't sacrifice everything in pursuit of whatever like freelance or creative goal that you have because they can take a long time and you might not ever reach them. So. I think you have to look at if something is doing more harm to your life than good and ask yourself if you can still pursue this thing while living uh, as close to your fullest life as you can around pursuing that thing. And that's something that I've only started to understand kind of later in life because I think there were a lot of years there where I became really obsessed with chasing a writing dream and I kind of put everything else on hold when... You know, I could have still been doing freelance stuff and still pursuing a writing career, but I could have also lived my life fuller and better in a lot of other aspects. So that's a question I think is always worth asking yourself is chasing this thing that I want. Does that mean that I'm sacrificing too much in other areas of my life that could be better if I devoted a little more time to them or a little more resources to them? Um, and then I do think there's a lot to be said for the passion thing, like you were talking about, or about what you're excited about. You know, that was... That was honestly the reason that I, I chose to retire from uh, professional wrestling at the end. You know, it's like I realized I had gotten to a point where I didn't feel passionate about it anymore. You know, like I literally was making excuses not to go to shows and I actually faked a concussion in one match just to kind of get out of it. Uh, I really, no, I honestly did. And that, that was cold to go to, to avoid going to school. Matt fakes a concussion to get out of his professional wrestling. I know, and, that's a t- and the thing is, that was terrible. That was like a low point. That was like one of the last matches I had. And that was what made me realize, dude, you don't want to do this anymore. And pro wrestling is very much like pursuing any kind of creative writing thing. 
if you don't have it in your heart, like chasing it will kill you. It's just, and it's, it's one of those things. It's like, if you're not passionate about it, there are so many other, maybe not easier things, but just more practical things you could be doing to make money or make a living or facilitate your life than chasing freelance stuff. So I do think it is, it is one of those things that you really do need to be passionate about. Otherwise it just doesn't make sense to do it. You know? So I do think that's something worth considering. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for those questions. Hopefully, yes, Kay Kimmy says that is helpful. So that's good. Um, I've put our links in the chat, but if you're listening to this later, uh, you can find me at merverse.com and email mightymer at gmail.com. And I'm on the Twitters as uh, Mighty Mer. I'm on other things too, but Twitter's the best way to get in touch with me. It's set for email. Um, I have books and podcasts and streams and stuff. You can find all that out at my website. Um, yeah, I think that's all I'm going to shill right now. Uh, the Escape Pod book, there's that too. So we have an Escape there Pod is. anthology that I edited and have a short story in. That's eligible for the Hugo. How's that, Matt? Is that good for, for shining the spotlight on myself? It's better than that also exists. So I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> get it out. Uh, no, but everything Merge just said, and the, those are all wonderful things that you should go and experience. Uh, I am also on Twitter at Matt F. And Wallace. That's my primary thing. I put up the link to my website, matt-wallace.com. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, like I said, Bump is out in just a few weeks on the 26th, my first middle grade novel. Written for eight to 12 year range. Um, if you're into reading MG books yourself, I do think it's a very, uh, my wife really likes it. I know it's such a, I know that doesn't help, but I just mean like, I do think you can appreciate it as an adult if you enjoy reading younger reader stuff, but I did write it specifically for that, that age range. So uh, thank you very much. Congratulations, Tish says. And uh, yeah, that's a, that's a really big deal. It's a very personal book to me. It's my first middle grade. So anyway, y'all can support that, whether it's pre-ordering it or just, you know, letting people know about it on your own social channels. I would really appreciate that a lot. Yes. Tell Nikki, Nikki, Nikki does have discerning taste, Fire Rider. You're absolutely right. She does. And uh, Tish says passion is going back to the question that was asked. Tish says passion is number one to me, but I'm seasoned now. Uh, Tish is another uh, streaming writer over at YouTube. So I wanted to make sure that the people on the podcast got uh, her input. So uh, thank you for doing this, Matt. This was lots of fun. I hope you had fun too. Yeah. I'm looking forward to coming back and doing, doing some more live streaming here in this uh, brand new shinier year. Brand new, shinier year. Yes, indeed. Everybody take care. Wear your mask and uh, I'll see you. I should be writing tomorrow at 1230, I hope. So take care. Bye, Matt. Bye, Mar. Bye, everybody. You can support us at patreon.com slash mightymer. Ditch Diggers! Theme song by Devo Spice. DevoSpice.com.